bet you've wondered this too. Olga posted, would you please make an episode on how to deal with a common cold after gastric bypass? What cold medications are allowed? What to avoid? Is it okay to get Theraflu? Coming up, bariatric dietitians Gail Smith and Isabel Maples join me to answer your question. How many bariatric vitamins do you take a day? Are they a pain to remember? ProCare Health offers easy and affordable solutions with once daily multivitamins. Visit ProCareNow.com for free samples. Use code SUSAN10 to save 10%. Hi, I'm registered dietitian, nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell. You're listening to the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast, episode number 67. Most of my career, I've worked in some type of media, particularly radio, where I did morning drive for over 18 years. I loved it. That's what led me to start podcasting, ultimately to you. I created Bariatric Surgery Success to provide you with the life-changing information, always based on science, along with simple strategies, strategies and tools that you need to help you be successful in your transformation and your journey. So happy you've connected with me. You're in the right place. I'm glad you're listening. Before I jump in with Isabel and Gail, don't forget, if you're looking for the latest freebie, the ProCare Supplements, portion control, dinnerware, the newsletter, other resources, just go right to the resource page. It's breakingdownnutrition.com slash resources. Also, you have a question you want Gail and Isabel to answer? You can post it anytime if you're in the Facebook group and that's Bariatric Surgery Success with Dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell, or you can go right to the website, breakingdownnutrition.com. There's a contact us link at the top of the page or just hit reply to the weekly newsletter. And if you don't receive it, sign up on the homepage of the website. Again, that's breakingdownnutrition.com. And this week, joining me via Skype are bariatric dietitians, Isabel Maple and Gail Smith. If you're a regular listener, you know that both Isabel and Gail join me on these bariatric nutrition Q&A episodes to answer all your questions. They both have boots on the ground every day in their clinics. Isabel's a registered dietitian and bariatric coordinator with Fakir Health in Warrington, Virginia. Gail's a bariatric dietitian at the Weight Loss and Bariatric Surgery Institute in Orlando, Florida. You can find both Isabel's and Gail's contact information in the show notes. Well, hello, Isabel and Gail. Today we're saying something unique, both of you on at the same time. We're glad to be here. Same here. So happy to be with you, Susan and Isabel. Okay, so this question was posted in the Facebook group by Olga, and she says, Hi, Dr. Mitchell. Thank you for your informative podcast in the group. Well, by the way, thank you, Olga, for being an active part of the group and for listening to the podcast. So, okay, Olga then went on to say, Would you please make an episode on how to deal with a common cold after bariatric, after gastric bypass specifically in her case. What cold medications are allowed? What to avoid? Is it okay to get Theraflu? Well, I know you guys are both in the clinic day to day. So I'd like to talk about two things. First of all, how you two handle this situation from a broad standpoint. In that case, I mean from the protocol that your pharmacist and your physicians have in regards to over-the-counter medications like Theraflu. And then I wanna go more specific to what we do every day, and that is address the nutrition viewpoint. So 
Isabel, why don't you start us out with what's your clinic's protocol when someone gets sick after weight loss surgery? Our bariatric surgeon allows cold medicines that don't contain aspirin, ibuprofen, naproxen. Those are an anti-inflammatory ingredients that could risk increase the risk for gastric ulcers and because they're irritants to the stomach lining. We do allow acetaminophen, which is the active ingredient um, in Tylenol. And it's always a good idea to check with your own clinic, your physician, to see what's right for you, especially if you're on other medications. I totally agree. Uh, Gail, are you in line with this or how do you guys differ? Yes, we are definitely in line with that for all of our bariatric patients, no matter which surgery they're having. And, and you know, so, I think, yeah, go ahead. Oh, Susan, there's a couple other points. And that's one, you know, always label read. We teach that with nutrition, but with cold medication, it can also play a role to look for aspirin, ibuprofen, naproxen, to make sure that you don't have those ingredients, but also sugars like sucrose, fructose, and lactose may be on the label, and they may just cause some gastric distress. Um, you may use a product that's sugar-free, for instance, instead, like a throat lozenge. And also avoid things that have alcohol in them. They're going to be, um, or, at least, or at least use those with caution, like NyQuil. You know, I so agree with that point about alcohol, and most people don't realize that these over-the-counter meds often do have alcohol in them. So reading that ingredient label and remembering that it goes in descending order from most to least. So in other words, what you see listed first makes up the majority of that particular product. Do you guys either one see issues with sugar alcohols when they're using sugar-free products causing any um, dumping syndrome? Because I know the sugars can, but do you see that as an issue or do people do well with those? I find that that is a problem too. I hear that question like, why when I use this, it had, gave me some excessive diarrhea. So yes, we always stress that as well as telling them to keep it simple. Select a cold medication that is designed to treat only the symptoms you're having. Maybe a suggestion of trying just the nasal, a saline nasal spray for congestion relief, or again, the throat lozenges that are sugar-free for a sore throat. That is such a great tip because I always tell people when you have a product that is says it kind of like does it all, <laughs> you know, <laughs> then if you have an issue, it's hard to say, okay, the issue is because of so-and-so because it may have three or four different ingredients in it and you're having to go, hmm. But when you add things one at a time, like you were just saying, Gail, it's easy to pick out the culprit if something happens. So what about a comorbidity or an issue like high blood pressure? You just mentioned the sugars, which can be important not just for dumping, but also for uh, diabetes. But what about high blood pressure in these meds? What do you two see with that? Yeah, we usually always tell them if they do have high blood pressure to definitely check with their physician to see if the medications that they want to take are going to be okay or possibly cause their blood pressure to increase. I agree. And you know, it's interesting because we, again, you think when you're taking a cold medication, you don't expect to come out of that with high blood pressure, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but even over the counter meds can 
have ingredients that affect what you already have. And, and I loved what you always said. We can give you a lot of, here's what our pharmacists say and the docs say, but when you have issues going on and you know that your blood glucose is high or your blood pressure is high or both, always running this back by your particular clinic is a smart idea, don't you think? Absolutely. Okay, what else am I missing that your clinics are doing that you want to share before we get specific into the nutrition angle? I think those are the questions that I usually get. I as well. And oftentimes I will tell them double check with the nurse too, because she gets these questions all the time and they're always conferring with the surgeons to make sure they're all on the same page. There hasn't been any new data coming out. To, su to suggest something different. Okay, you know, and I think the point, um, one takeaway just to go back and say this is that many of the things that you mentioned before, the aspirins and such can really irritate your gut when you're already irritated. So going with an acetaminophen is really an important point that you both make. Okay, so what about when you have a cold or flu your immune system takes a hit. So I'd love to hear your viewpoints on vitamin C because it's so overhyped on the internet, as well as um, zinc rich foods, other supplements. And then I want to come back to caffeine a little bit. So I'll start with the vitamin C. This is Isabel. <laughs> so first of all, vitamin C's reputation for shortening the cold or preventing a cold is actually much stronger than the research behind that. You can find a study here, a study there that'll show you or suggest that maybe vitamin C can play a role in um, decreasing stuffiness or some other a, a symptom or the length of a cold. But overall, when you look at the whole body of information, you know, dozens and dozens of studies, there's no suggestion. The researchers then look at it and experts say, hey, you don't need to take extra vitamin C. Yes, you need to get vitamin C in your diet. And guess what? As a bariatric patient, I'm hoping, and as Gail is, that everybody's taken their daily multivitamin mineral complete um, supplement every day. And that's gonna have the vitamin C that you may not get from your diet. Most Americans actually get plenty of vitamin C because we get it from our diet, but with bariatrics, because you're eating a smaller amount of food overall, you may not get quite as much vitamin C. Now, when you're choosing foods, make sure you're choosing some fruits and vegetables. Not only is it gonna add fiber and potassium and vitamin A, but it's also very rich those fruits and vegetables are rich in vitamin C and that gives you that natural boost uh, to your to your immune system to really support your immune system. Oh, but Isabel, I'm going to have to eat carbs. I can't eat carbs. I'm not supposed to eat carbs. Okay, I'm just giving you some feedback <laughs> I here. Uh, I do get that. I do get that, definitely. And most people know that there are, first of all, people like carbohydrates. Our bodies operate well on carbohydrates. It's just a matter of too much. That's the problem, especially ones that are higher in sugars. But we know that fruits and vegetables provide some really nutrient-packed um, carbohydrates that can fuel our bodies, but also give us the vitamins and minerals and fiber that we, our bodies need. You know, Gail, Florida has been a hotbed for COVID. 
And <laughs> so does this question come up to you in terms of vitamin C supplements to not just help prevent colds, but COVID or treat it? Are you hearing any of that? Absolutely. I get that every day in my classes. And I tell them, just eat your foods, your fruits, your vegetables, and you'll get enough vitamin C to help with all of that immunity. However, if you, there are, they are worried, I tell them, just take a good multivitamin before surgery. But after surgery, like Isabel, I definitely recommend the bariatric quality vitamins because they have the amounts that the ASMBS recommends. Most of them do. Not all bariatric vitamins, but most of them do. Great. And, you know, I can't and go without mentioning, um, while we're on that, our wonderful ad. You guys probably hear it from our support from ProCare Health. So I have to just give them a little shout out that they have the fabulous bariatric-specific supplements. So you can certainly check those out as well. In fact, I'll try to remember to put the, the link in the show note because they have a discount all the time for our listeners. So, okay, Gail. You've just said COVID, we know it's a big thing. They're asking about vitamin C. So if we go from vitamin C, because it's not the only thing, I'm a big believer in fluids. And so many of us are just dehydrated day to day. So let's just both of you guys talk about pushing fluids. And do you have your top two recommendations when you're pushing fluids on what those fluids should look like when you're sick? Yes, for fluids, I tell them that they should take their bottle of water with any additive that they like, like uh, Meodrop, a Diet Lemonade, a Crystal Light, or other off-brands, and sip on them all day long. And if they don't like water, that's why we say add flavoring to water, even put sliced lemon, sliced lime, something in them to make them taste better. And of course, they all want the caffeine. I don't know if you want me to talk about that now, Susan, but yeah, we do too. Go ahead and jump it's, in with caffeine and then we'll just go back and forth and, and Isabel jump in as you have things to say as well. We take caffeine away just for the first three days after surgery. Really? Just, yes. Just three days because I hear up to a month. And so Isabel, what do you guys do? I, I do about a month. Okay, so or or I should say I tell people and I tell them why I take it away because of their digestive sensitivity uh -huh. and that it could promote GERD or diarrhea and most of my patients don't like diarrhea. Yeah, and Gail, on your end, they probably absolutely love you to. <laughs> they right, absolutely exactly. love you if you're just telling them <laughs> yeah. th three days. Do you see then many times when you have to back people off for longer? Well, what we tell them is for the rest of their life, we tell them to definitely keep it down to two six to eight ounce cups of caffeine per day because too much caffeine can lead to dehydration. And of course, that first month, we're more worried about that because they can get a little dizzy and they could fall and hurt themselves. So overall, we tell them to restrict caffeine for life. And those first three days are most important on phase one of our diet uh, progression because of the dehydration. Okay, so you guys are very different. What I'm hearing you say, Gail, is that you um, restricted the first three days and then you say, A-okay, but for the rest of your life, watch a certain amount. Uh, Isabel, you're saying no caffeine for a month, but after that, do you restrict in any way? Yes, I do recommend the first month, no caffeine. Although I will say, for instance, if somebody likes caffeine, I know they like caffeine and they're constipated, I might tell them, hey, it could help if you want to try it. Um, but 
but most of them actually don't. Once they're off that caffeine before surgery, they they hate me. And then <laughs> once they're off of it, they're fine. There's a lot of other digestive sensitivities going on that first month. Yeah. And that's why I'm careful with the caffeine. After that, I really don't restrict it. I tell them that really the caffeine, as long as I think the technical amount is 456 milligrams of caffeine a day, yeah. as long as it's lo lower than that, then which is about the, the amount that Gail's talking about. Exactly. Um, that there really is no concern with the fluids, even if they contain caffeine, really dehydrating us. Correct. Yeah. The IOM or Institute of Medicine agrees with that, that within that certain amount that it, that the caffeinated fluids can be part of your fluid intake when it's not excessive. Okay. So, but I want to bring it back specifically to colds and flus, because I have to tell you myself, when I, when I have a cold or flu, um, if you can tolerate caffeine, and again, I'm going back to say when you're at that point given by our two, um, clinic boots on the ground folks here, I think that caffeine then helps to, when you have that horrible headache, you know, of a cold or flu, and you just don't want to turn your head on the pillow, you don't want to speak, you don't want to open your eyes. <laughs> I think <laughs> a little bit of caffeine helps cut that headache a little bit and can make you feel temporarily better as long as you tolerate it. You think so? Well, I hadn't thought about the caffeine, but I do know that people like to reach for caffeine products is any fluid they like, they're going to drink more. So for instance, whether it's tea, like a caffeinated tea or whether it's an herbal tea, it's gonna help hydrate us. us. Only a one to 2% drop in our fluid intake can cause a headache. So staying hydrated is important. And so sometimes I, I tell them, hey, do something different. Have something like a cup of herbal tea or more caffeine tea if they want it, but just to have a cup of tea, partly because it allows you to take a break. So often when we have a cold, we're thinking, oh, it's just a cold. So we go, go, go in our normal pace. And sometimes it's nice to take a break. And when you don't want to take a break, I guess the caffeine helps you keep going through it. <laughs> Agreed. I, go ahead, Gail. I just wanted to also add that I have patients that don't like teas and coffees. So mm -hmm. I tell them some hot fluid like your chicken broths or any kind of soup broth is great as long as it's like lower fat and if they need a little bit less sodium. You know, you're, you're going right back where I wanted to go because we got off on our caffeine, but I wanted to swing back to just pushing total fluids when you have colds and flu, especially because of what um, Isabel just said, if it doesn't take much loss to be uh, dehydrated. So let's go back, chicken broth, chicken soup, love it, Gail. What else? Well, a lot of them also asked me about the bone broths that are now on the market. And those are perfect for phase one, phase two, when they're trying to get their protein up and they're not real crazy about the protein shakes all the time. So I tell them if they can even make their own soups and they just have to, you know, put them in the fridge, let the fat run to the top and then skim it all off and then strain it, drink the broth, or if they have a Nutribullet or a blender, they can puree up the vegetables with a little bit of the chicken in there and voila, they've got a, a strained uh, full liquid diet for phase two or the full uh, liquid for phase one. Okay. Or just chicken broth, chicken soup, bone broth for 
anytime. If you're, anytime. It doesn't matter if you're a year or two or three down the road and you have a flu, hot Absolutely. cup of chicken soup can do wonders, right? It's, plus it's comforting. I agree. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> it's like a warm blanket. That's right. It's like a warm blanket. Okay. I want to give you each a chance to think about, we've been going back and forth, back and forth. What haven't you mentioned? One thought, takeaway tip and that you want to give that you see work in your clinic or that we often forget to talk about before we wrap? Well, Susan, for me, one of the things I like to do is make sure people are connected with a clinic because I call it home base. You may think, oh, it's been several years since I've had surgery, or you may have moved out of the area. So you're not connecting with a support group or um, a surgeon or a clinic. And I feel like, you know, it's when you get a bump in the road and things don't go as well with your weight loss journey, you need to have a home base to go back to. And by you know, you're asking a question about your cold medication. That can be a way of fostering that relationship with your healthcare providers. So simple things like that add up and they get to know you better and you get to know them and you feel more comfortable coming to them instead of feeling like I need to solve this problem before I go back to see the doctor. Great advice, Isabel. Gail? Your last thought? We do have support groups virtually now once a month. The patients are given my phone number, my email. They can reach out to me, and many of them do. And we do recommend that after the first year, they need to come back once a year to be checked. And during that first year, they're coming back as often as needed, usually three, six, nine, 12 months. But I'm always available to them and they know that and our support group has never been stronger just because of COVID. We can't meet in person anymore and having that virtual time to talk about topics that they're interested or answer their questions or they can ask each other questions, which I find is really important too. Well, you know, you both have been so great to provide your, your work email so that our listeners can come to you as well. And I thank you for that and for taking the time out of your busy clinic days to be here with me on the podcast. Thank you. Always a joy. You're very welcome. Read those ingredient labels. Look for alcohol in the products. Look and see if they're aspirin versus acetaminophen-based products if you need something. Go back to your clinic. Go back to your own personal healthcare provider if you have issues such as high blood pressure or diabetes or things that might make your medication needs more specific. Remember to look at caffeine and how it's suggested that you use it. Above all, take care of yourself because you're worth it. Bariatric Surgery Success with Dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC. All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Dr. Susan Mitchell, or Practicalories, LLC.